Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Ah, it's a good day to tell the truth, isn't it? Let's do it. (laughs) So I invite you to join me in a prayer here. Let's place our hands on our heart and wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. Let us celebrate our gratitude. We are grateful. We are thankful that the infinite supply of love is in place. And it's uncorruptible. We are grateful to open our heart, open our mind, open our life, our very being to an awareness of the truth. We're letting go of everything that's false and we're standing in the wholeness and our holiness. We are grateful to allow ourselves to be set free from any limiting beliefs whatsoever. We are truly calling for healing. We're allowing ourselves, we are willing to have this healing, lasting healing, permanent healing. Removing the blocks to love, this is what we are about. Letting the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. We share the benefits with our brothers and sisters and in deep gratitude for our awakening awareness, our expansion, our clarity. We give thanks, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. So, what I have been guided for us today is recovering from deep wounding. So, I am doing this program, Depression Demolition, Uh, with a group of very courageous people, and uh, it's been absolutely miraculous. Love, love, love this program. So glad I listened to Spirit. Sometimes I wonder, like we all do, is this really the right thing? Yes, yes. When it's divinely guided, yes, it is. And so... Let's talk about recovering from deep wounding because I have worked with many people. It's such an honor and a pleasure to work with folks who really do have the courage to do the deep healing work, folks who have been um, really, really appallingly uh, attacked physically, mentally, emotionally, that they have been intentionally wounded by their caregivers, their parents, uh, that their parents were out of control, really out of their right mind. And so we, we can't hold things against them anymore because we're too spiritually mature for that. But still, in our ego attachments, there's this resentment, there's uh, anger, there's deep hurt, And there's shame and there's regret. Why didn't we speak up? Why did we let that happen to us? And such a pile, pig pile of things that the ego has as mental attachments. Those mental attachments cause disturbances in the field. They cause disturbances emotionally, physically, and spiritually, as well as circumstantially. So it affects our relationships, our finances, the health and wealth of our being. And all of it can be healed. Everything works together for good and there are no exceptions except in the opinion of the ego. So let us not make any exceptions. So working with folks who have been Uh, mentally, emotionally, physically abused, particularly as children, as I I work with so many folks who are uh, depressed, and and it's uh, a result of how they've been working with it in their mind to feel depressed, totally understandable, not a failure. 
it's an exploration. This is our human experience. We're exploring the effects of holding different things in our mind. And we see that we can, with spirits, not just help, but really giving it over to the spirit to do, we can get freedom from the thoughts, the beliefs that cause the pain and suffering. So let's start with one of the the biggest issues that we all have, and that is that we identify with a small, not-so-smart, special self. Could be the stupid self. The selfish self is a good name for it. The small self is a good name for it. It is this false identification with the personality. And the personality is derived so much from how we interpret our bodies. So uh, I... We've all witnessed that there are people who are physically very strong, very fit, very beautiful, uh, who have magnificent experiences in the human body that often part of their learning is that it's not sufficient. They still don't feel lovable. Or when the body shifts and changes, they no longer feel lovable. So the supermodel whose spouse is having affairs does not find her, uh, let's say, in the mind of the ego, desirable enough to have a fidelity to her in their relationship. And so the pain and suffering of that. And no matter how beautiful you are, you can still have an unfaithful spouse, a spouse who doesn't really love you, a spouse who thinks of you as an accoutrement, some uh, addition to their life. You make them look good, and uh, you they provide for you. It's these kinds of relationships where it's so much about the body. And we can think of where we've evolved from in terms of the human race consciousness and personality where people would actually pick a spouse not for love or connection or that um, soul contract kind of an experience, but instead they're picking a spouse who's a good breeder or a good provider. And these are the criteria So uh, we also see all kinds of folks who are extraordinary athletes who then have uh, a fall from grace or they have some kind of physical challenge like Christopher Reeve uh, was the Superman, this big, strong man, and then he is paralyzed from the neck down. What happens to his identity? We also see it happen all the time in uh, when somebody dies or when some relationship ends that it can become uh, really so challenging to the personality because it's built around their connection with this person who now is deceased or now no longer wishes to have anything to do with them. So whether... It's the parent who um, identifies as a parent and then the child dies or the child um, rejects them or vice versa. There's all these ways that we get identified in our experience of the body that it becomes a deep, deep wounding. So let's look at chapter 27, section 8, The Hero of the Dream. So the hero of the illusion or the dream is the body. And here's one way to think about it in terms of your own life experience. Most people have fantasies. 
You can have sexual fantasies. You can have fantasies of being famous or successful or uh, beautiful or desirable or whatever it might be. Lots, lots of people, lots of fantasies. And in the fantasy, who is the hero? It's the body, right? We see ourselves as a body in the fantasy. And so that's what we make the, the hero of this illusion, of this dream. So what we can remember that's helpful to us is that we are not a body and that our experiences in this human life are to help us recall, remember, recognize that we are not a body. And we are to help our brothers and sisters do the same thing. And so when we think about the, the body being the hero of the dream, listen to this opening of chapter 27, section 8, entitled The Hero of the Dream, where Jesus says, The body is the central figure in the dreaming of the world. There is no dream without it, nor does it exist without the dream in which it acts as if it were a person to be seen and be believed. It takes a central place in every dream, which tells the story of how it was made by other bodies, born into the world outside the body, lives a little while and dies to be united in the dust with the other bodies dying like itself. In the brief time allotted it to live, it seeks for other bodies as its friends and enemies. Its safety is its main concern. Its comfort is its guiding rule. It tries to look for pleasure and avoid the things that would be hurtful. Above all, it tries to teach itself its pains and joys are different and can be told apart. The dreaming of the world takes many forms because the body seeks in many ways to prove it is autonomous and real. It puts things on itself that it has bought With little metal discs or paper strips, the world proclaims as valuable and real. It works to get them, doing senseless things, and tosses them away for senseless things it does not need and does not even want. It hires other bodies that they may protect it and collect more senseless things that it can call its own. It looks about for special bodies that can share its dream. Sometimes it dreams it is a conqueror of bodies weaker than itself. But in some phases of the dream, it is the slave of bodies that would hurt and torture it. The body's serial adventures from the time of birth to dying are the theme of every dream the world has ever had. The hero of this dream will never change, nor will its purpose. Though the dream itself takes many forms and seems to show a great variety of places and events wherein its hero finds itself, the dream has but one purpose taught in many ways. The single lesson does it try, this single lesson does it try to teach again and still again and yet once more that it is cause and not effect. And you are its effect and cannot be its cause. Thus are you not the dreamer, but the dream. And so you wander idly in and out of places and events that it contrives. That this is all the body does is true. For it is but a figure in a dream. But who reacts to figures in a dream unless 
he sees them as if they were real. The instant he, he sees them as they are, they have no more effects on him because he understands he gave them their effects by causing them and making them seem real. How willing are you to escape effects of all the dreams the world has ever had? Is it your wish to let no dream appear to be the cause of what it is you do? Then let us merely look upon the dream's beginning. For the part you see is but the second part, which cause lies, whose cause lies in the first. No one asleep and dreaming in the world remembers his attack upon himself. No one believes there really was a time when he knew nothing of a body and could never have conceived the world as real. He would have seen at once that these ideas are one illusion, too ridiculous for anything but to be laughed away. How serious they now appear to be. And no one can remember when they would have met with laughter and with disbelief. We can remember this if we but look directly at their cause, and we will see the grounds for laughter, not a cause for fear. Let us return the dream he gave away unto the dreamer who perceives the dream as separate from himself and done to him. Into eternity, where all is one, there crept a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. In his forgetting, did the thought become a serious idea and possible of both accomplishment and real effects. Together, we can laugh them both away and understand stand that time cannot intrude upon eternity. It is a joke to think that time can come to circumvent eternity, which means there is no time. All right, so I'm going to pause with the text there. So a beautiful passage, and if we can really see that what he's saying to us there is, we made up the dream, we forgot to laugh, at the tiny mad idea of better than and less than, not good enough, something's wrong with me, separate from God, all variations on the same theme. We forgot to laugh. And so, we are asleep dreaming we're awake, believing the world is real. In order to get out of the delusion, we have to be willing to give up all the attachments we have to the meaning that we've made of everything we think we see in this world. And one of the best tools we have to help us wake up from the dream of separation is when it's very, very painful. And so when we are identified with the body and believing things that aren't true to be true, it causes us pain. And the more we are attached to the delusion, the more we are discarding the truth, not valuing the truth, not willing to even look at the truth or think about the truth or remember the truth at all. This is when it becomes most painful. And these times are often when there's some kind of major issue with the body which forces us to change our lifestyle and we feel our identity has changed. Think of the the woman who is very beautiful, valued for her beauty and what she's capable of, maybe for her gifts and talents. And then she has a debilitating illness can no longer do those things 
uh, her beauty is uh, now challenged. It seems impaired because we're measuring beauty by the physical rather than the inner beauty. And uh, all she wants to do is get back to where she was. She wants to get back to using her body the way she did before. And rather than seeing, oh, this is an opportunity for me to focus on developing my awareness and working with giving up the false beliefs, the illusions and delusions, because they are making me so desperately unhappy. Because I have thought that my worth was connected to what I accomplished in the world, how I looked in the world. There was my value. Now I feel like I'm valueless, so I don't know what to do because I feel so worthless. Remember, everybody's got this underlying belief that they're not good enough, that something is wrong with them, that they don't have what it takes, that they're not lovable. So when they feel that they're lovable because of the way their body looks or what their body can do, and that gets taken away from them, then it can feel like they are even more worthless than they thought before. So here is the deep, deep wounding. It's, it's like God has done this to us. Same with someone, a, a parent who loses a child. And now they're just in the uh, utmost despair. It can also be if we suddenly realize that we have been looking at life in, uh, incorrectly. And so we see, oh, there were so many opportunities I had to be kind, to be loving, to be understanding, to be helpful, and I missed them all. I wasted my life. Or someone who puts their whole energy into a marriage, let's say, a relationship or a job, and then that falls apart. Think of the Enron episode where people, their life savings were in... uh, their financials with Enron, and then Enron goes belly up, and you've got all these um, corporate people making a ton of money while the people with very little money lose it all, this kind of disparity. And we've had a lot of this kind of thing in the last year with COVID, that the rich have gotten richer and the poor have gotten poorer, that disparity. But these kinds of things are to help us wake up from the dream. And, you know, what, what is money for? What, is all the, what are the successes in the world for except to help us, help our brothers and sisters to become more awake and more aware, to help us become more awake and more aware if we take what we have and we use it to somehow... Oh, be more impressive in the world or just drown our senses in luxury and pleasure, then we're missing the boat. (laughs) We really are. Speaking of uh, boats and wealthy people, it makes me think of a, a story recently that Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, was building a $600 million yacht. Hardly seems enough, as my grandmother would say. And uh, I think it was Seth Meyers. He he did a joke on that. He said, um, Jeff Bezos is building a $600 million yacht. And so Elon Musk is building a $700 million iceberg pretty funny. So the deep wounding that seems so hard to recover from is 100% tied to our identification with the body. And so the fastest path to this healing is to be willing to say, I am not a body. And I am willing to recognize I am not a body. I am willing to understand I am not a body. I am willing to live in this world healing my awareness. 
and fully recognizing I am not a body. And the body is not the hero of this dream for me. I am pure spirit, eternally perfect and free. I'm already as holy as holy can be. This is our pathway. Oh my goodness. You know, uh, I, I, I've got some things I'm going to share with you. And uh, uh, we're coming up to the break here. So I don't want to get started into those till we come back. So uh, just before I go to the break, I would like to say thank you. To all the people who tithe to support this podcast, this radio broadcast, you rock. You totally rock. I thank you. I thank you. Your support means so much to me. Couldn't do it without you. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley. You are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we are walking the talk, we're living the love, and I will be right Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> so just before I get into, again, the, the main thing about recovering from deep wounding, I would like to share with you one of the topics that I've, I've circled back to many, many times is about self-medication and self-sabotage as a form of self-medication. I mean, self-medication is a form of self-sabotage. And what is sabotage for but to slow our spiritual growth down? That is the only purpose of the self-sabotage. After all, what is our life for but to grow spiritually, to uh, awaken from the dream of separation and to remember the light that we are. That is the purpose of our life. So all self-sabotage is to prevent that from happening. And I can tell you that for a very long time, I was in this cycle of self-sabotage in the form of self-medication. Self-medication is a form of self-sabotage, like every other form of self-sabotage, that is demoralizing. It leaves us feeling worthless, helpless, hopeless, unlovable, and it causes us to isolate and to hide and to feel like we're absolutely failing as spiritual students. And this is why I'm really interested in helping people get out of that. One of the things I do see folks who are in my Finding Freedom program and my Masterful Living program, they naturally will, through their spiritual practice, undo the mindset that is attracted to self-medication and self-sabotage. But uh, not everybody takes Masterful Living or Finding Freedom. So I started the End My Self-Sabotage Challenge. And I've been doing it for a few years now, and I've been doing it six days in a row, very intense week of doing it. And I got the idea from Spirit to make a change and to do it over six weeks instead of six days. So it would be less intense, more gentle. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, And that starts on July 17th. And registration is opening for that now. And I just would like to say that this is the best deal I've ever, ever offered. It's literally like an $800 package for $127. But you're going to get so many things with me, including, if you like, live spiritual practice with me every day. 
So, uh, or you can just get the recordings if you can't join me live. And if you don't want to do that part of it, don't do that part of it. Do what parts make sense to you. But you'll also get uh, a couple months of my sacred circle, my spiritual counseling program. So it's just a tremendous package that we've put together, including a one-on-one counseling session with uh, one of my trained, certified spiritual counselors. So we're, we're pulling out all the stops here to support you. If you'd like to do that, I'm calling it the Summer of Love. So look for the details, my End My Self-Sabotage Challenge at JenniferHadley.com. So let's go back to the deep wounding and how do we really heal that deep wounding. Of course, we will never feel the same And our thoughts about ourselves can get shifted because the experience that we're having in this world is an illusion. We can have all the attachments in our mind, all the meaning that we've made of it, all the interpretations that are the deep wounding can be dissolved and resolved permanently back to the root cause so we never experience them again. And our willingness is all that is required for us to be able to do that. So let's look at this uh, deep wounding. I'm inviting you to really go within right now to bring your full attention and focus to your inner world. And our inner world is very much made up of our interpretations and the meaning that we made of things. So in looking deeply into this, let us consider what has been wounded. Consider what do you believe has been wounded? And sometimes our body has been wounded. Our physical body, raped, molested, attacked, injured in some way. And we are aware that 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 wounding has happened in the body. And then we can say, yet I am not a body. So I have not been wounded. I am a spiritual being, and I have a body in the dream, but I am not that body. When I exit the dream, I do not take the body with me. When I turn off the dream in my mind, I am no longer a body. Think of a person who is quadriplegic but they're in their dreams they're not quadriplegic they're able to walk and run and do all kinds of things so I am not a body therefore if I'm not the body have I been injured if the body is injured consider it consider it what has been injured Now, in the case of someone who, let's say, their parents uh, treated them poorly and there was great unkindness, lack of recognition of the magnificence of the person, and so there are emotional and mental issues, what has been wounded? What has been wounded by the unloving parenting? What part of me has been wounded? See if you can identify what part has been wounded. And... If we're able to look deeply into this, most of us will find 
that no part of us was wounded, but our perception of ourselves has changed. So the perception of ourselves has changed. So if we think of different kinds of wounding that people have, let's say someone is in love, they're in a relationship, and they turn and find out that that person is no longer interested in being in a relationship with them. Let's just say they wake up one morning and say, I don't love you, I never loved you. For the last 20 years, it was just an illusion. And I'm done in this charade, I'm, I'm leaving. So everything they said, everything they did, was essentially a lie. It was a deception. Or maybe now, they're where they are now. Maybe that's the lie. Maybe that's the deception. We don't know. Can't really know what's in another person's mind or another person's heart. So we're in this place of, oh, I thought my security was in this relationship. I thought I was lovable because of this relationship. I thought my life had meaning because of this relationship. I thought I knew who I was because of this relationship. I thought I knew my place in the world because of this relationship. So without this relationship, the person leaves, the person dies. In some way, they're not there anymore. Or maybe they're there, but now they have dementia, so they're not really there. These kinds of things cause us to now look at what is being wounded. It's our self-perception. It's our belief system. This is what is being called into question. This is what is being challenged. And it can feel intensely painful when we are looking at it as a loss. It seems like things are being taken away, as it says in the development of trust section in chapter 4 of the Manual for Teachers. It seems as though things are being taken away, but this is rarely what's really going on. What's really going on is we're being given a divine opportunity to see and know and feel more clearly what the truth is when let's say you've you've built this sand castle and invested so much into it and everybody comes along and goes oh my god that is the most amazing sand castle i've ever seen it's extraordinary look at the detail look at the beauty look how wonderful and spacious it is look how delightful it is it's so charming it's so wonderful it's so magnificent oh my gosh you are a great builder of sand castles you're one of the best sand castle builders in the world there's no question about it if they gave oscars for sand castles you would get best castle ever and we get all this feedback and then Suddenly, a wave comes, boom, sandcastle is dissolved in the wave. It no longer exists. Maybe we've been working on that sandcastle, getting it just right for 30 years, and now that sandcastle, gone, absolutely gone. There's no getting it back. It's just sand on the beach now. There's no way to get it back. So what happens then is, who are we now? Who are we now? If our identity was as the most magnificent sandal castle builder, and the sandal ca- sand castle is gone, who are we now? Where is our identity now? So this 
whenever we are highly invested in our personality, in our special relationships, in our body, then the gifts that God can give us are often that we would discover none of that is real. And we are real. We are magnificent. We are lovable. We are beautiful. We are extraordinary. We are the perfect love of God made visible in this world. We are able to be truly helpful in this world, but not if we're living in a fantasy where the body is the hero. That doesn't work. That doesn't help And so the thing that is most helpful for us is to be able to disconnect from that fantasy, the illusion, delusion. So asking the question, what part of me is actually wounded? Is it my perception of myself, my self-identification, my self-identity? And... If my self-identity is challenged or it shifts, is that actually a wounding or is it a belief? If I believe I'm valuable because I'm an athlete and now I'm, I'm not able to use my legs, does it make me any less valuable? Well, to the person who gets all the praise for being able to run on two legs, yeah, it, it changes everything for them, but only because they've, they've constructed this identity that's good as long as it can perform these tasks, perform these feats. So what part of me is really wounded? It's going to be in our self-perception, and that's the good news. That even if we are a quadriplegic, we can still have a profoundly beautiful life. It's just going to be a different life than we thought. And we can, if we're willing, let the Holy Spirit show us how magnificent that is. To me, one of the most inspiring people that ever lived is Helen Keller. And, of course, her helper and teacher, her her, her life coach, <laughs> uh, Annie Sullivan, those two people, what they brought to the world. Because Helen Keller, being deaf, being blind, not being able to speak and make words, really, uh, and, and being so emotionally distraught, uh, she imagined being as brilliant as Helen Keller was, and being trapped without being able to communicate, having no way as a child to learn how to communicate because of being both deaf and blind and not having words. And so, but because of her genius and her willingness, her great, great heart, she was able to take what she had with the tremendous support of Annie Sullivan to be able to make a whole and complete different life. This is a really deep question about who is wounded. So Helen Keller, she lost her sight and she lost her hearing due to illness. And when there's that kind of drama and trauma wounding. The temptation is to become identified with the person who's experiencing lack and limitation. Remember that the ego thought system is 100% about lack and limitation, no matter what, because it is a thought system that keeps separation operating in our awareness. If we're separate from our creator, if we're separate from source, there will always be lack and limitation because we're disconnected from that source. 
when we seek the kingdom first, which is within, everything is added unto us. This is the teaching that Jesus gave us in the course and in his human experience. And he has told us, ask, and it is given because it's already been given. So we've already been given everything there is to give us. And in this lifetime, we get to choose how we're going to experience it, how we're going to work with it and play with it. We get to experience our beliefs. So all the wounding that anybody experiences is happening in their belief about their identity. So if someone becomes incapacitated, they lose their legs, they still could see themselves as someone who can be completely lovable, get married, have children, and live a very productive and beautiful, inspiring life. Another person can lose the capacity of their legs and think that their life is over, that they are worthless, that no one will ever love them, that they are unlovable. It is done unto us as we believe means we are going to experience what we believe. So that wound is in our awareness It becomes the lens through which we're seeing things. We're the deciders. We're the dreamer of the dream. We're the light in the projector. And we choose what we're going to see on the screen of our life. And so the thing is, is not to blame ourselves for what we experience but to really move into that place of, I am not a body. I am innocent. I am free. I am already as holy as holy can be. Let me have no idea that something else is true because it's not true. Only truth is true. My perfection, my wholeness, my beauty, my magnificence is still intact because It's not related to the body. It's not. All the people who suffer because they don't feel good about their body, that's optional. It's because they believe they're identified with the body. I am not a body. I am innocent. I am free. So no matter what's been done to us, no matter what errors we've made in terms of making unloving, unkind choices, no matter how dysfunctional we've been in the past, the wounding is not permanent. The wounding is an idea that we are holding in our awareness. And because it's the lens we're looking through, we're going to magnetize and attract to us all manner of things that will affirm what we believe if we wish to affirm what we believe. So while one person can use the wounding experience as a reason for them to say, I can't live a good life, my life is over, Another person can use the same exact experience and say, I'm not a body. I can still have a great life. Think of Christopher Reeve. He lost the use of his everything from the neck down. But what did he do? He went on to act. He went on to direct. He said, no, I will not be stopped by this. And he was committed to doing the research that would uh, allow people to heal their spinal cords. That didn't happen in his lifetime. It wasn't to be part of his experience, part of his learning. But he demonstrated so, so much. And he was revered for that. He inspired so many people to 
help realize, ah, I am not a body. I am not a body. I do not have to agree to that. I am spirit, innocent and free. To me, it's extremely helpful to realize the wounding isn't permanent and it's not real in the sense that it is not happening to our soul, to our higher Holy Spirit self. It is something we're experiencing in our human life for the purpose of learning. And we can recognize, oh, I've been learning through pain. I've been learning through suffering. And I I don't wish to learn in this way anymore. I don't like it anymore. I feel complete with it. Now I'd like to learn through direct insight, direct knowing, and I am worthy of that insight. I am worthy of that knowing. And I am willing to give up this identification with a victim, with someone who's in lack. I am willing to know the truth of my being. I am willing to hold myself in the very highest and say, I am innocent. I am not punished. I do not deserve to be punished. That is not my story. My story is a story of God's everlasting glory, and so it is. Amen. Well, this has been a wonderful topic. And a reminder that very soon, if not even today, I hope to be able to let you register for my End My Self-Sabotage Challenge. Amazing offer. I hope you will consider it. I hope it will be the thing that floats your boat right here, right now. We can go on this journey in the summer of love together. Yes. There are so many resources for you at jenniferhadley.com and livingacourseofmiracles.com. I hope you'll take advantage of them. All right, let's pray. We are grateful and thankful to give to the Holy Spirit all wounding. We share the benefits of our healing with everyone because we're one with them and we give thanks to let it be, to know it's done. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.